Hey, this is Graham, and I am so pumped you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media, at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can engage and connect with other Grace members all around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. We're going to go to John chapter 20, and we're going to read just a, a few verses from uh, the last, one of the last chapters in the book of John. And let me just stop for a second and say it's almost impossible to do a, a series about the book of John in just six weeks. There's a lot of stories in John that we didn't get to that we don't have a chance to preach about. It would probably take over a year to do it justice, I think, if we literally went verse by verse. But, but, but I, I just want to thank you for being part of this. And, and so today, uh, before we get into this, I, I need a volunteer. All right. I need a volunteer. And before you volunteer, I need to know what you, you need to know what you're volunteering for. I need somebody to come up here and bring this dirt. Can everybody see this dirt? You have to stretch your head. Everybody see this pile of dirt here? I need somebody to come up here and bring this dirt to life. Volunteer? Anybody got any power uh, to do that? Uh, I'm basically asking who wants to give mouth to mouth to a pile of dirt. Now, now, I'm not talking about coming up here and making a dirt monster. I'm saying before, uh, before that, you got to get down on your, on your knees and, and put your hands in the dirt, and, and, and I want you to make it into a human body first. And remember, the human body is a pretty intricate thing. It's got a, we've got a trillion cells in our bodies, right? We've got this brain that is more powerful and faster than any, any supercomputer in the world. And 60,000 feet of, of capillaries and, and, and veins in your body. And then you're, you know, and don't forget that the lungs have a surface area that's equivalent of a tennis court. Oh, and by the way, uh, when you're making this out of dirt, uh, make sure that you know that the DNA, if you stranded it together, would wrap 26 times around the sun. And good luck creating an eyeball, right? Because this eyeball is one of the most intricate things ever created and can see a million different blends of color. Volunteer? Anybody want to volunteer? Oh, and by the way, and after you make that, then make it come to life. Nobody? Anybody online? Isn't that what God did in Genesis chapter 2? Watch this. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now, let's back up for a second. When the Bible says the Lord God formed a man, uh, how many know there's a lot of, word, a lot of meaning in that word formed? Uh, God is an amazing, amazing artist. Can I stop for a second and celebrate everybody here, everybody online that has a creative gift? I'm talking to artists 
and sculptors and architects and painters and poets and musicians. God gave you that gift because you are made in his image. Come on, somebody. I, and, I, I, and I feel like as I, was, as I was preparing for this today that the Lord wanted to remind you that that gift is from him and that you should use it for his glory. I need somebody to say amen to that. Use your gift for the glory of God. So God takes this dirt and he forms it into a human body and uh, the Bible says then he does something. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Now the Old Testament was written in both Hebrew and Aramaic. So the Hebrew word, uh, the Hebrew word for breathe is ruach. And, and in order to say it correctly, you gotta, you gotta have a little bit of something in your throat. Ruach. Ruach. All right. Now, the word we translated, how many know the human language is limited? So we translate it spirit or breath, but it's not the word breath, it's the actual event of breathing. So it, it, it's, it's, it's the breath of God. And so, why am I telling you all this? Because this is the same word used in John chapter 20. Verse 21 and 23. So let's pick up the story. This is after Jesus is crucified. Jesus has been resurrected. So this is the day of his resurrection. So this is Easter Sunday, if you would. And the Bible says on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, how many know the, the very first thing Jesus said is peace be with you because when somebody raises from the dead and they appear before you, the first thing you are is scared. So he says, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And G again, Jesus said, peace be with you because how many know sometimes you need to hear it twice. Can I just pause for a second and say, if you're in a storm, I know Matthias preached about this powerfully a couple weeks ago, but if you're kind of hiding out and you kind of hunker down and you're afraid, can I tell you, you need Jesus to come into your boat and he will say, peace be to you. Somebody needs to hear that today. That's, that's, that's the message of God that he says, I'm sending peace to you. And as the father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same word. Now, the New Testament is written primarily in Greek. Uh, the Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew, but it's the, it's the two different languages translation of the same word. When God breathed onto this dirt and man became a living being, it's the same word that Bi the Bible says that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same word. Why? Because the same thing is happening. When God breathed on the dead dirt, it's the same thing that's happening right here. Now, you're going to have to lean in and listen, okay? I want you to really pay attention. You see, Pastor, why would Jesus breathe on them when they were already alive? Can I tell you that they were alive physically, but they were yet to be alive spiritually? This was the moment that the disciples got saved. This was the moment they became born again. 
See, when Jesus breathed on them, they received the ruach, the breath of life from God. But it wasn't in the natural. It was in the spiritual. See, when God breathed on Adam back here after he formed him into a human being, and then he breathed on him, Adam became alive physically, and he became alive spiritually. But when Adam and Eve sinned, their spirit man died. Death comes through sin. Are you following me? Now, physically, they were still alive. They were still breathing. They, they, they still had breath in their lungs, but their spirit man had died. Now, when you and I were born, guess what? Because we are Adam's seed, we are born in sin. And because of that, we too are dead spiritually. That's why we need Jesus. That's why Jesus died for our sin so that we could receive new life. Come on, somebody. So when Jesus breathed on these disciples, they were alive physically, but they were dead spiritually. And when he breathed on them, the ruach, the breath of God, their spirit man became alive again. They experienced a spiritual resurrection. This is the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ. This is when the Old Testament age passed away and the age of grace began. The beginning of the church age. Because until this point in time, the disciples were yet to be born again. Now follow with me. Because they had been following Jesus up to this point, but they had not yet experienced a rebirth. Are, are, am I confusing you yet? Lean in on this one. It's so important. Because Jesus had not yet paid the price for sin. Jesus had not yet been sacrificed for sin. The whole purpose that Jesus came was to pay the price for sin so that we could go to heaven, so that, so that we wouldn't have to pay for our own sin. And Jesus had yet to do that. So the disciples had not, could not have been born again yet because Jesus had not paid the price for sin yet. And remember what Jesus said on the cross after he had suffered for so many hours, he says, it is finished. What's finished? The full measure, the whole price of sin had been, had been paid. And I want you to notice in John chapter 20 that one of the first things Jesus does is go to his disciples and breathe on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit because the very first thing after his resurrection is now you got to get born again. The deed's been done. The work's been done. The work has been completed. Jesus died, rose again, and resurrected so that you could and so that they could be too right there in this moment. I'm going to slow down for a second. I know it's awfully early to be kind of deep diving into this, but this is so important because we got to see it. Remember in John chapter 3, Jesus had a powerful conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a teacher of the religious law. And remember, he told Nicodemus, he says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't go to heaven because you're a good person. You can't go to heaven because, uh, because of good works. You got to be born again. Something supernatural has to happen in your spirit, man. What Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus was that without the breath of God breathing into your dead spirit, you are not alive spiritually. 
Your spirit man has to be revived. Your spirit man has to be resurrected. There has to be a... There has to be a life. There has to be breath that is breathed into you. And can I tell you, that's what happens when you and I surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. There is this amazing, miraculous thing that happens. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was lost, but now I'm found. Why? Because Jesus breathes on me, and I was dead, but now I become a living being. That's why when we pray and people surrender their hearts to Jesus every single Sunday at Grace, I don't think we ought to golf clap. I think we should celebrate it because it's the greatest miracle of all time because our dead man became alive through Jesus. That's called being born again. Are you still with me? Here's the same conversation with Nicodemus in verse 8 of John 3. He says, the wind, Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So, is every, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. He's, the context of the conversation is being born again. And Jesus is saying it's like the wind. You have to be born of the Spirit, the some of you are going to get this. You may need to listen to this message more than once today, okay? It's because when you get this, it's going to be powerful. Salvation is the life of God, the breath of God, the ruach, the spirit of God resurrecting your dead spirit. Are you with me? See, this is what happens when you and I get born again. The Holy Spirit does something in our lives. Here's what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man is in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That's what we call being born again, restarting, renewing. And let me pause for a second and say to everybody watching online, everybody in this room, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many people you've hurt. You can have a new start today because of Jesus Christ. He has the power to take dirt and turn it into life. Amen. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done. How many know dirt can't bring itself to life? Not because of the things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the, the Holy Spirit when he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I'm trying to tell you that when Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit, their spirit man was resurrected and they became a living, eternal soul again. Who did that? The Holy Spirit. Let me pause for a second and help you understand. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what regenerates us, makes us brand new, makes us born again. That's what Jesus was trying to explain to Nicodemus. Unless you're born of the Spirit, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. Are you getting this? The Holy Spirit is the breath of God breathing life into us who were dead and now are alive. 
Now, let me make it as simple as I can to you, okay? I'm going to make it as simple as, this is a no-brainer. How many know air is life? So Jesus breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus explained to Nicodemus, you know, the wind blows, so is everyone is born of the Spirit. So here we have all of this symbolism of the Holy Spirit as air and breath and wind, the ruach, the breath of God. And so how many know air is life? You can't live without air. You can go about three weeks without food. You can go about three days without water. But you usually can only go three minutes without air. And let's not have a contest here today, okay? Now listen, you can't live without air. Breathing is synonymous with life. The Holy Spirit is synonymous with spiritual life. Because air is life, the Holy Spirit is life. See, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God, is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God himself. I mean, we are a Trinitarian church. We believe in the three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not junior God. The Holy Spirit is God. You can't even get saved without the Holy Spirit because he's the one that applies the blood of Jesus to our hearts. I, I got to have the Holy Spirit to have life just like I got to have air to breathe in order to have life. Now, in the book of John, Jesus talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. And not one time does Jesus refer to the Holy Spirit as that thing. I want you to notice the very personal nature that Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. In John 14, he says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. In John 15, Jesus says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, he's the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And, and he says, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And, and this, is why, this is why this verse I'm about to read to you has become so powerful to me, especially this year. We talked a lot about this one in our prayer series, is that God wants us to welcome and embrace and cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, from the message translation, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ. We all want the amazing grace of Jesus, right? And the extravagant love of God. We love singing about God the Father who loves us. But then he says, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What, Pastor, what, what Jesus, it was trying to do what Jesus did on that night on the day of his resurrection is the same thing that he wants to do in us. He wants to introduce us to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the beginning of your relationship with Jesus. 
I'm, I'm just trying to build a foundation here so that you can understand. See, when I, when I trust Jesus, when I surrender my heart and life to Jesus, it's the same thing as God breathing on Adam this dirt and made it a living being. I am resurrected. I am born again. And all the old's passed away and everything's become new. That is the beginning of my relationship with the Ruach, the breath of God. Let, let me pause for a second and say that religion is trying to do mouth-to-mouth -to, -mouth to your dirt. Religion is trying to dress up this dirt. Let's kind of hide the dirt, you know, a little bit. Let's, let's put some paint on the dirt, which is what we do every day, right? When we, never mind. That's what religion. You can't resurrect your own dirt. Somebody's got to hear this. Some, some of you have been trying, Pastor, I try so hard. I try so hard. Stop trying and start surrendering because you can't get saved without a miracle, and that miracle is being born again when the Holy Spirit, and you are resurrected. Religion is like trying to give mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation to dirt. And that's, what, that's not what salvation is. The truth is, with, you are dead spiritually without a resurrection. The truth is, you can't save yourself any more than you can bring life to this dirt. Here's why. Because you're not God. Now, I'm, I'm staying on this for a moment because I think there are a lot of people in America who think they're Christians and they're not. They think they're going to heaven and they're not. And they think they're going to heaven because they're a good person or because they go to church or because they give money or because they're not as bad as the other person. You can't get saved that way. Jesus had to breathe on them to, for them to receive the Holy Spirit. In order for you to get to heaven, you got to have this supernatural uh, transaction in your spirit, man, where there is, <sighs> and can I, can I tell you, don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for anything less than the life of God, than the breath of God. How many know following Jesus should be a, a breath of fresh air experience, a joy? Jesus said, I come that you might have life. I came that you might have life. You can breathe. You're alive. Amen. I'm going to preach better in the next service, I'm sure. <laughs> Salvation is the beginning of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, now, this is why this is important, because it's not the end of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because air is not just life. Air is power. Now, in the Old Testament, the word for breath, or translated spirit, or breath, is ruach. But in the New Testament, that word is, is the original word is pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. Did you know that a study of the work of the Holy Spirit is called pneumatology? All right, so if you do theological training, you're going to take a class in pneumatology. That is the study of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys have ever used pneumatic tools, a, a, a pneumatic drill, or a pneumatic hammer, or how about an air compressor, right? What is it powered by? It's powered by air. How many know air can be very, very powerful. Let, let me illustrate it another way. How many of you have ever driven north 
on I-65 north of Lafayette. Maybe you've made a trip to Chicago. You get north of Lafayette, and all of a sudden, there are all of these windmills everywhere. You know, first there's a few, and then you keep going for miles and miles and miles, and here's all these windmills uh, there on the road or near the road. Now, on average, one windmill can provide power to 16,000 houses per year. Now, I know that's true because I looked it up on the internet. How many know providing power to 16,000 households for a year, that's a lot of power. But, but I want to point out something to you that the windmill, windmill cannot create the power. The windmill relies on the air, the wind, to provide the power. It allows the power to generate power it allows the wind to generate power within it. Some of you are going to get this in just a minute. I've been, I've been spending the last 20 minutes setting you up for this moment right here. Just as air is powerful, just as wind is powerful, the Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit is powerful. That's why later after his resurrection, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, you shall receive what? Power when the when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive what? Power. The Holy Spirit is power because air and wind is power. And then watch this. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they're all gathered in the upper room. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty... <sighs> we get hung up on this because we think that Okay, Pastor, I need to be saved, but I don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pastor, I, I, I want to go to heaven, but I, you, you, you people, you guys got a little bit hung up with the Holy Spirit. Can I, here's what I'm trying to point out to you. He's the same person. The same Holy Spirit that Jesus and breathed on them, and they became resurrected, is the same Holy Spirit who breathed on them again, this time a little bit more violently, more powerfully, and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pastor, 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 you just said that the Holy Spirit was there and I got saved. Yes, you can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. But that is just the beginning of the relationship that the Holy Spirit wants to have with you. He wants you to grow and learn and fellowship and, and come, become more and more intimate with him, more and more, uh, more and more in love with him because over time what's going to happen is he's going to and every day he's going to and when you open the word of God, he's going to and when you pray, he's going to and when I worship, he's going to you know what that's called? That's called revival. That's called life. That's called power. 
See, here's the deal. We, we only want to talk about speaking in tongues when it comes to Acts chapter 2. And that's important. Please hear me, that's important. A few, few weeks ago, we had the privilege of hosting three United States senators here at our church. Jeff Cardwell set it up. Uh, it was very rare for three United States senators to be together in the same room outside of Washington, D.C., but it happened here a couple weeks ago because they were meeting with the Indiana Right to Life and talking about uh, pro-life things, and it was very, very important. One of the guests who were there, not one of the senators, but one of the guests of the senators walked in the door because I was the doorman that day. You know, hey, welcome to Grace, blah, blah, blah. And they said, hey, what kind of church is this? And I said, well, Grace Assembly of God. She says, well, what's the Assemblies of God? I said, the Assemblies of God is a fellowship of spirit-filled Pentecostal believers about numbering about 70 million people around the world. She said, oh, you're Pentecostal. You speak in tongues. <laughs> to which I said, well, yes, I do. Paul said, I, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you guys. If Paul was Southern, he would say, I pray in the Holy Ghost more than all y'all. <laughs> How does Paul pray? He says, I, I wish you all prayed in the Spirit. I wish you all did that. But what, what, here's, I'm not trying to demean that. What I'm trying to help you understand is that we've created these divisions in the body of Christ that just don't need to be there because they're not there in the Bible. There's not there. Jesus, he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit and they were born again and their dead dirt turned into life through the Holy Ghost. And as I begin to grow and follow Jesus, here's what happens. When I follow Jesus, do you know what happens when I follow Jesus? He starts to do this. Oh, man. And you don't want anything less. You don't want anything less than all God wants you to have. Can I tell you about what, is, what does it mean to be Pentecostal? Pentecostal simply means that we believe that everything that happened in the Bible happens right now. If it happened in the Bible, it can happen now. If people can be saved in the Bible, they can be saved right now. If people can be filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they can be filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit right now. If people can be healed, then they can be healed right now. If people can be delivered from demons and darkness in the Bible, they can be delivered in 2021 right here, right now, because it's the same Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me in this room? If you're here today and you need to be born again, can I tell you, it is simple, but it's not, it's very powerful. Because the same God that formed the man from the dirt and then breathed life into that dirt and man became a living soul, that same God, that same Jesus is ready today to and resurrect your dead soul that you cannot resurrect yourself because you can't save yourself. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you here today, I want you to pray this with me and I just want you to be sincere and as honest as you can be, but I want you to pray this out loud and say, Jesus, come on, say it out loud. Jesus, resurrect me because I'm dead. I admit it. I can't save myself. Please forgive me. I'm sorry for sinning. 
I believe and confess Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. From this day forward, I have decided I'm following Jesus. Amen. Somebody give God praise because just then, right now, woo, come on, somebody give God praise. Death to life. Death to life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. And there's so much more. Say, Pastor, how, how do I... How do I develop a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit? How do I, how do I grow in the knowledge of the Holy Spirit? How many, let, me, let me just say, when, on that night in John chapter 20, Jesus did not say, comprehend the Holy Spirit. He just said, receive, because this is a relationship. I, I, I wanna encourage everybody here today that your relationship with the Holy Spirit, he's a person. You can talk to him, he has a voice. You can listen to him. You can address him when you pray. Holy Spirit. We sang it, the first song out of the gate today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. It's kind of like that windmill, right? If that windmill didn't have any arms, if it was just a pole standing there, the wind would blow. It would feel the effects of the wind, but it wouldn't generate any power. I hope this doesn't seem too silly to you. Could it be as simple as, welcome Holy Spirit. Welcome Holy Spirit, I yield. And the wind begins to blow. It's not my power, but that is generating power inside. And all, I, I don't know. Is this too simple? Is this too simple? Holy Spirit, I want everything you have. I want to grow in my, I want you to fill me. I want you to empower me. I want you to anoint me. Some of you families, you just need Jesus to breathe on you, the Holy Ghost. You're here and your marriage is in trouble. Can I, can I, can I ask you to pray? Breathe on my home. Breathe on me, the Holy Ghost. Some of your kids are far from God. Jesus! Breathe the Holy Spirit upon me. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it online or jump on the website at graceassembly.org and click the giving link so that we can continue to spread the message of Jesus all around the world. Have a blessed day and we'll see you next week.